This is The Gem on the Queen's Crown, a podcast talking about Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Here's the host, Lee W. Mowen. Happy New Year! It's episode 21 of the podcast talking Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. And this is Lee W. Mowen with you here. Don't forget, you can listen to this podcast on theleewmowen.com as well as iTunes and your favorite iOS podcast apps, Google Play, the iHeartRadio app, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, Acast, Spreaker, Podbean, PocketCast, Anchor.fm, and Player.fm. And coming soon, I'm looking for a way to put very short updates on sporting events around the Miami Valley onto the podcast via Alexa. There is a way to do that, and I'm still figuring it out, but keep on the lookout for the Gem on the Queen's Crown updates. I'm really looking forward to starting that. Again, thanks to Mark Schlemmer for that idea. I think he said it in episode 20. He might have said that off the podcast, but thank you, Mark, for the idea. So what's the best way to start off the new year of 2018? No, not New Year's resolutions. Thinking about the last week of 2017 for this announcer, podcaster, broadcaster, writer, and jack-of-all-trades. So, my last week of 2017 was very, very busy. I had two tournaments, and I had a blast, and I was honored to be part of those two tournaments. I, of course, speak of the Greater Miami Valley Wrestling Association Holiday Tournament and the Miami Valley Freeze Tournament. We're going to go ahead and jump right into these events first off with the 47th annual holiday tournament that's right this tournament has been running for a good long time lots of great wrestling action not to be fused with wrestling this is high school wrestlers battling on six mats it was eight to start off the day but i'd like to go back and talk to you about that whole event it started on Wednesday. It happened at Vandalia Butler Student Activity Center last year. My first year part of the tournament, it was at Wright State University's Nutter Center. And it was moved to Butler High School this year. Last year there were 64 teams. This year there was 48. Most of them representing the Sinday area. Some Norfolk, Kentucky schools in there. A couple of Central Ohio schools. And one from Georgia. That would be the Buford Wolves. And they had themselves quite the tournament. Very strong wrestling program from Georgia. Making their way to Vandalia, Ohio. But yes, 48 schools represented on those wrestling mats. And for the help and workers, lots of schools represented. It was quite fun to work with everyone there. Great to be a part of. So let's go ahead and tell you how the two days turned out. Now for the wrestling tournament, like I said, 48 schools. They are split up into big school and small schools. So Division 1 and Division 2-3, if you will. I have here, this is on bombspage.com, the final results of the 47th Annual Holiday Tournament. Buford won the big school division with 192 points and winning the whole kit and caboodle in small school and the 
wrestling meet was Graham with 230 and a half points. And this is considering the Falcons were without five of their stud wrestlers. That's very impressive. Graham is one of the powerhouses around here in local wrestling. And the head coach, Jeff Jordan, was introduced into the Hall of Fame. He's been there for 17 seasons. And Graham has done some amazing things. Quite incredible experience as Graham winning the small school and overall holiday tournament. We'll go down the list first with the big schools. This be Division One, Buford, Georgia with 192 points. The Wolves first place in the big schools followed by Dublin Kaufman and the Rocks with 134 points. The host Vandalia Butler Aviators with 113 points. Springboro in fourth place in the big schools with 104. Bohr Traditional out of Louisville, Kentucky, 93.5 points. The Miamisburg Vikings, 91.5 points for 6th place. In 7th in big schools, Hilliard Bradley with 88.5 points. 8th place, Wayne with 87 points. Ninth place, Centerville with 84. Northmont rounding up the top 10 in the big schools with 78. We go through Delaware Hayes, the Pacers with 70 points. A tie for 12th with the... West Claremont Wolves and Pickerington Central Tigers with 64 points each. The Tecumseh Arrows with 62.5 points. The Princeton Vikings with 58.5 points for 15th place. Lakota West with 57.5 points. Oak Hills with 57 points. And a tie for 18th place with Big Walnut and the Eagles and the Ryle Kentucky Raiders, 55.5 points. Detroit Trojans round up the top 20 in the big schools with 52 points, followed by Louisville Mail with 50, Simon Kenton's 47, Stebbins with 44.5 points, Sydney with 35 points, Fairborn with 34 points, Springfield with 26 points, and Xenia rounding up the big schools, the Buccaneers with 24 points. We move on to the small schools. Graham winning the tournament with 230.5 points. Followed by the Bearcats of Walton Verona out of Kentucky, 127 points. Third place for sales with 114 points for the Tigers. In fourth place in the small schools, Troy Christian with 110. Top five, Upper Sandusky and the Rams with 107. Chaminade Julian with 78 points for sixth. In seventh, the Eaton Eagles with 75 and a half points. Williamsburg with 72 and a half points. Bell Fountain with 59 and rounding up the top 10, the small schools. Wapakoneta, 55 and a half points. Bishop Hartley in the 11th with 55 points. West Branch with 50. Covington with 48 points. Wilmington with 38 and a half points. Greenview, 36 and a half. Mohawk, 30 and a half. Bellbrook in 17th place, the Golden Eagles with 29 points, Milton Union 25 points, Zane Trace 20 points, Benjamin Logan 15 points, rounding up the small schools, Preble Shawnee with 6 points. So that's 48 schools, 6 more in the big schools than the small schools, but if you wonder why some schools have fewer points, some schools can only bring out a couple wrestlers, and etc., etc., We'll tell you who finished first in the wrestling categories. James Bauman of Dublin Kaufman winning the 106 via technical fall of Kellen Anderson of Covington. In the 113s, Tanner Jordan of Graham defeats Logan Ashton of Buford with a 10-3 score. In the 120, it's Logan Hoskins of Vandalia Butler defeating Troy Christian's Ethan Turner 5-1. 
Mason Kleinberg of Springboro wins the 126 against Devin Hendricks of Greenview 4 nothing. Ryan Moore of Walton Verona takes the 132s against Troy Christian's Jacob Edwards 3 to nothing. Jared Ford of Troy Christian wins the 138 against Nick Stonecheck of Buford. Mitch Moore of Grand Pins Micah Marshall of Chaminade Julien in 2 minutes and 59 seconds. Drew Weekers of Centerville falls against Jordan Hardrick of Wayne with a 9-5 margin. Ryan Thomas of Graham pins Mendoza of Buford in 52 seconds. Mason Smith with the decision of Joseph Bradbury. Mason Smith out of Walton Verona in the 170s, defeating Lakota West Bradbury. For Dublin Kaufman winning the 182, Lennox Woolock. Pins Noah Clary of Upper Sandusky in 3 minutes 52 seconds. Gage Braun of Graham wins the 195 against Dylan Moran of Northmont. Johnny Schaefer of Graham wins the 220 with a decision over DeMorian Travis of more traditional. And the last weight class, the 285s, Williamsburg's Brian Steers defeats Jacob Charette of Centerville 6-2. There was a lot of weight classes. Those were your first place battles. Most of the holiday tournament, you had six in the main gym and two in the auxiliary gym. But heading to the finals of day one, the auxiliary gym was used for weighouts and skin checks to start day two. We had six mats and about 5 to 6 p.m. We moved three of them, pulled the bleachers out. By we, I mean the staff running the event. I had the microphone. That's what I did. And then we reduced it to three. We had first place, third place, and fifth place finishers do on the mats. Overall, big honor for me. I love being part of this tournament. I will admit, high school wrestling is the sport that I've probably seen the least. Maybe more than golf. But I love it. I love high school wrestling. And just watching these matches, just seeing... You need physical capabilities, obviously, because there's no personal space and you're trying to avoid being pinned on the mat and pushed away, you know, that sort of thing. Just thinking about the strength you need and also the mental capacities you need to think about it. I mean, you're pinned. Well, you're pinned, that's match over, but you're about to get pinned and you need to find an escape route then you start to think, how can you free yourself from a grip that's about to knock you out of the match? Wrestlers have to be strong, too. That's that's no laughing matter. That's a, that's a good sport. And if you can catch a wrestling duel, or if you can catch the states, I highly recommend you do so. Again, 48 schools, wrestling at Vandalia Butler Student Activity Center. I had a blast I'm blessed to be part of the tournament, and I'm looking forward to what the 2018 tournament has to offer. Now, of course, that's not until December of this year, you know, the second day of January 2018. But I look forward to it. It's great two days. It's great to be a part of, like I said, 47 of these holiday tournaments happening in the Miami Valley. And you have some of the strongest wrestling schools battled it out. If you like to follow the GMVWA, it's the username on Twitter. Don't forget to like Greater Miami Valley Wrestling Association on Facebook. 
give them a thumbs up, and tell them they're doing a good job. Hopefully next year we'll have an episode dedicated to the upcoming holiday tournament. Sorry I didn't this time around, but like I mentioned, if you watched that tournament and you saw all the action, there was a ton of it. So that wraps up my take on the 2017 holiday tournament for the GMVWA. Again, honored to be a part of it, honored to have worked it, and honored to work with a lot of great individuals and great schools, great wrestlers, great teams, great representation of fans. I had a ball. You can read all the results on bombspage.com. Search for GMVWA Holiday Tournament. The final results are up there. That's how I was able to read you those results. I also tweeted on my Twitter, but I didn't bother to find the picture. I just went on Bomb's page and looked at the results. Again, Graham winning the small schools and the tournament with 230.5 points, and Buford winning the big school division with 192 points. Like I mentioned... All but a handful of schools representing Southwest Ohio and Northern Kentucky. It's great to see the local representation of these schools. And it's great to see all that action and great to see the sportsmanship shown during this whole thing. So now we move from the warm confines of a basketball gym with wrestling mats over the basketball court to the ice. And if you know me by now, you know that I probably can't go an episode without talking about hockey. That's right, the Centerville Elks, the team I broadcast for on YouTube, home and away games, they were part of the 8th annual Miami Valley Freeze Tournament at Hobart Arena in Troy. And again, if you know me, you know that I love Hobart Arena. You should look at the final results of that makeover, the renovation rather. They don't call it makeovers really. You should see how it looks. It's beautiful. It showcases what Troy is all about with the Hobart Corporation, Hobart Arena. And like I tweeted, the city of Troy, the people of Troy, and Troy hockey family do a nice job keeping that place looking spotless and beautiful. I mean, think about it. That's the oldest arena around. I believe it outdates UD Arena. At least I think it does. Just think, I mean, that's been around since the 50s, and the first sport even, the first sport wasn't even hockey, it was a basketball game for Troy High School. They defeated Kettering Fairmont, you know, before the Fairmont East and West split, and then the bringing together of East and West to make Fairmont, but you don't care about that at this point, do you? You care about the Miami Valley Freeze Tournament, as do I. Six teams battling on the ice. You have three high schools and three club teams. High schools, of course, it's just like, you know, varsity sports, ice hockey belonging to the athletics program. For clubs, not so much. It's more for kids that don't have a chance to play the sport of hockey because in southwest Ohio, only a few have that opportunity. Not many other schools do. So the six schools involved... Well, the six teams involved were the Centerville Elks, the Troy Trojans, the Hosts, the Beaver Creek Beavers, the Dayton Stealth JV Squad, which is the Dayton Youth Hockey Organization, the Indian Hill Braves, which is not a high school team, it is a club, and also the Northern Kentucky Norse. 
Indian Hill and Northern Kentucky, probably two of the top squads, two of the top clubs in Southwest Ohio. Northern Kentucky just over the river, but there's still plenty of Cincinnatians playing for the Norse. And no, there is no affiliation with Northern Kentucky University. I've asked that, trust me. And it's almost the same color scheme, but the NKU Norse don black and gold. The NKY Norse, the youth hockey team, don black and red. So, like I said, no affiliation with NKU. You had Dayton Stealth, JV, Northern Kentucky, Indian Hill, Beaver Creek, Troy, and Centerville battling. And the Elks got it underway late Thursday night with a 9.30 puck drop. The Elks defeated Dayton Stealth JV 7-0 with five first-period goals. And the Elks look to take that momentum into Friday. Two tough teams awaited the Elks. First up in the morning, Norfolk, Kentucky with a 9 o'clock start. The Elks took a 1-0 lead, but Norfolk, Kentucky came back with two first-period goals to take a 2-1 lead. They scored two shorthander goals in the contest and won it against Centerville 5-1. So a little bit later, the Elks went back up to Hobart, and they took on Indian Hill. The Elks were shut out by the Braves, 4 to nothing, but a very strong first period and a great defensive effort turned in by the Elks. Indian Hill has probably one of the fastest hockey players around here, and Will Lemink, that guy could fly. You just see him with the puck, you see him take off, and the defense that the Elks put on him, very, very strong. I mean, Lemink's a guy that's going to get chances no matter what. And the Elks limited him to one goal and I think maybe one or two assists. But that was it. A very strong defensive effort turned in by Centerville. But the Elks fell 4 to nothing against Indian Hill. So that set up a fifth place battle. Round number two with the Dayton Stealth JV squad. And the Elks turned in an 11 nothing win against the Stealth. The second matchup of the two squads. Elks had six goals in the first, three in the second, and two in the third to seal the deal. Drew Schemmel of the Elks with five goals in the contest. And the Stealth had a goalie, Patrick Gallagher, uh, who is son of Jeff Gallagher. And if you don't know about the Dane Fire Department hockey team, you should. They're a good bunch of ladies and gentlemen that work part of the fire departments around Dayton but once it's time to hit the ice they're a good team to watch I actually had the honor of PAing one of their games at South Metro in 2017 I was in what was it July August it was warm outside and cold inside so wearing shorts wasn't the wisest decision I've ever made but nevertheless Centerville went 2-2 two and two in the tournament like I mentioned, they won 5th place by being the Stealth by an aggregate score of 18 to nothing in the two battles. The Elks went 2-2. Two two. Dayton Stealth went 0-4, falling to 6th place in the freeze. For 3rd place, the Troy Trojans. They fell to the Beaver Creek Beavers twice. Beavers in 3rd place with 2 wins, both against Troy. Also fell against Northern Kentucky, I believe. And Indian Hill. The Norse of Northern Kentucky fell in the first place game by a 4-1 tally. 
and went 2-1-1 in the tournament, and Indian Hill winning the whole thing. They went 3-0-1. The one is a tie, and that was against Northern Kentucky, where both teams split up the points in that battle. And when I say points, you win so many points. If you win a period, you tie a period, or you win a game. You have to outscore your opponent. You know, that's normally how sports work, but you have to outscore your opponent to win the points. If you score the same amount of goals in a period, then you split the point, and if you're outscored, you don't get any points. Centerville, if I remember right, took four and a half points away from the Stealth in the first match. They did not score. The Elks did not score in the second period. Neither did the Stealth. Therefore, that's why there's a half a point. Beaver Creek took four of the five points away from Troy. Troy won the second period, I believe. That was a 4-3 Beavers win, if I'm not mistaken. Like I mentioned, the first day, Indian Hill and Northern Kentucky split the pot with two and a half points each. And these points place you in what place you're going to play. Placer points, I guess, is probably a shorter way to say that, but there you go. Like I mentioned, I love being a Hobart Arena. That was the site of my first college-slash-out-of-college internship with the Troy Bruins of the All-American Hockey League 2.0. It was the year after the Bruins were a junior hockey team. Things didn't work out in 2010-2011 for the Bruins. They have folded up shop. A couple of days into 2011. But, like I mentioned, Hobart Arena is a treat. It is a gem in the hockey community around here. And I wish we had something like that around Dayton. I always say that I wish, you know, we could clone what Miami University has in Guggen Ice Arena and put it up here type of thing. That would be quite nice for hockey. But like I mentioned, 8th annual Miami Valley Freeze Tournament. The Elks with two wins and two losses. A good showing for the Elks as now they turn their attention to conference play. Again, as St. X comes into South Metro on Saturday, which would be the 6th. And that is scheduled for a 1.30 start. And if you'd like to watch it with me, I'm on YouTube, search for Centerville Elks Hockey, and you can watch it live. And see the Elks tangle with the Bombers of Cincinnati St. Xavier. So that was what I was doing the last week of 2017, and as it sounds, yes, I was quite busy, but it was a great type of busy. I had lots of fun, again, really feel honored to be part of the holiday tournament for the GMVWA and also thrilled to be part of the Centerville Elks hockey family. Also, there was a home game for the Springboro Panthers. They were back in action after a week off. The Panthers also call South Metro Sports home, and Springboro had an overtime loss the night before the Saturday, an overtime loss at Muller, 4-3. Good fight between the Panthers and the Crusaders of Muller, and Springboro welcomed in Olentangy Liberty. Just the other day, that Saturday night. Panthers put up a good battle, but the Patriots of Liberty won it 3-1 to with a very late third period goal to ice the deal. Liberty is probably one of the top programs around Central slash Southwest Ohio. Constantly compete in the state tournament. 
So a very, very good battle turned in by the Panthers. So that was the last week of 2017 for me, the Greater Miami Valley Wrestling Association Holiday Tournament, along with the 8th Annual Miami Valley Freeze. So you might be wondering, to start off the new year, what's coming up? Well, this upcoming weekend, the weekend of the 5th and 6th and 7th, is the Springboro Shootout. Last year, the teams participating, the host Panthers, the elder Panthers out of Cincinnati, the Sycamore Aves, and the Beaver Creek Beavers. I believe that's the same field as this season. It starts Friday evening, and you can watch all those on the South Metro Sports YouTube page. I'll have the call for you on there. That will be a fun tournament to broadcast. And the week after that, Centerville Elks have their own tournament they're hosting. It will be the Martin Luther King Jr. Weekend Showcase. Last year, eight teams and the Jackson Polar Bears, which is a club team not fully affiliated with Jackson High School, if my memory serves me right. This is Northeast Ohio Jackson, by the way. The Polar Bears won that. They took down Elder for the title game, 4-1. to one. It was a lot of fun meeting all those fans, eight great schools, and we should have a good turnout as well. Again, that's next week, and those are the two tournaments I am a part of. I'm not back at WTGR until the third or fourth week. I'll be in Union City, Indiana and Franklin Monroe for two broadcasts. I believe the Union City game is on radio and the game at Franklin Monroe is on internet radio for WTGR. Again, you can follow me on social media at the Lee W. Mowen on Twitter and Facebook is just Lee W. Mowen. You can like my Facebook page. But you'll probably get more updates from my Facebook profile. I'll be quite honest on that. And while you're on Facebook, like the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown. That's where I update most about this podcast, talking Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. So we look at some other sports news that's happened. And nothing quite yet on the front of MOS2 Cincy or the Save the Crew font, at least not what I've seen. I haven't really been on social media much in the past week. How can you blame me? I've had two tournaments that I was a part of. I did see that from Charlie Hatch underscore on Twitter. That former FC Cincinnati defender Paul Nicholson retired and is now the head coach of the Cincinnati Dutch Lions of the USL PDL or the Premier Development League as it's now called. You don't call it USL Pro anymore. Well, you might, but you'd technically be wrong. It's like calling the ECHL East Coast Hawking. It doesn't really matter. What matters is XFC Cincinnati defender Nicholson to coach Cincy's Dutch Lions. And I think that's pretty cool. You're staying in Cincinnati where you played with FC Cincinnati, and you're passing the game on to younger individuals. As PDL is amateur, it's level four out of the U.S. soccer pyramid, meaning it's mostly college kids playing soccer in the summer type of thing. There's a couple exceptions here and there, but mostly it's college kids type of thing. Last year, the Cincinnati Dutch Lions did not make the playoffs. They're in the same division in the PDL as their Daytonian cousins, the Dutch Lions, that call West Carrollton's Dock Stadium home. 
and I believe the Dutch lines of Cincy will be staying put at NKU Soccer Stadium, which is quite nice. The Norse have a very beautiful home field. So, Paul Nicholson will be taking over the coaching ranks for the Cincinnati Dutch Lions. That will be very interesting to see, and we'll definitely touch on it once summer soccer begins. We're not in the spring yet. I know that because I looked at my phone and it said we were negative 10 when I woke up. Ugh. The Bengals did win their final game against Baltimore. Andy Dalton, now the hero of Buffalo, as the Bulls, as the Bills, excuse me, as the Bills made the playoffs for the first time since the late 90s, breaking what was the longest streak of not being in the playoffs. It's hard to believe that something that another team can do will result in something so good for another city. I think Buffalo's also called the Queen City as well, but I'm not fully sure on that. Cincinnati is. I can tell you that, because that's why my podcast is called The Gem of the Queen's Crown. Gem being Gem City, Dayton, and Cincinnati being Queen City. One of three that I know of. But anyway, the Bills fans paid it forward after Andy Dalton secured the Bengals win and the Ravens sitting at home, the Baltimore Ravens, that is. And I think the last time I checked, $50,000 was donated to Andy and Jordan's foundation, which is very, very nice. So thank you, Buffalo fans, for donating to such a very, very worthy cause. No major news on the Reds as of yet. I did see in the farm system that the manager of Pensacola is now the manager of the Louisville Bats. And you might be wondering, what's that mean for Delano DeShields, the former Dayton Dragons manager? Well, from what I read from the fine work of Doug Gray covering the Reds minor leagues, not sure yet. So we'll see if Delano DeShields is now part of a new organization out there or maybe moving up to the Cincinnati Reds level or maybe moving down the barn system. Who's to say? But Pat Kelly, the manager of the Pensacola Blue Wahoos for the past few seasons, will now have his turn managing a triple-A team in the Louisville Bats. This, again, is from Doug Gray. You can follow him on Twitter at DougDirt. 24. So that's some news in the Cincinnati Reds department. In the Cincinnati Cyclones department, the AA level of minor league hockey, now part of the Buffalo Sabres organization. Last year, Nashville and Cincinnati broke up. I was thinking that Cincinnati would be picked up by Columbus so they can have an I-71 set up. Wouldn't that be nice? ECHL to Cleveland, and Cleveland, the AHL to Columbus. Sure, the Cincinnati-Cleveland train is, you know, a little bit long, but it didn't turn out like that. Cincinnati, part of the Buffalo Sabres organization, and from what I read when they joined up, this is months ago, so my memory could be off. Buffalo really does like the ECHL level. They like the prospects in there, so there's a higher chance for Cincinnati to possibly send up some ECHLers up to AHL and to maybe the NHL. Who's to say? Well, look at the standings of the ECHL celebrating 30 years. 
and also with the Blue Goalie Nets, sponsored by Geico. Cincinnati, part of the Central Division, and currently sitting in third place with 39 points, behind the first place Toledo Walleye, who sit in with a 29-2-1 record that's wins, regulation losses, overtime losses, and shootout losses. I'm going to sum that up into three numbers, not four. I've never been a big fan of four. If you play past 60 minutes and you don't settle the score, it's overtime no matter what. So 29-3 and three are the Walleye with 43 points and hot on the Walleye's tail, the Fort Wayne, Indiana Comets, who are 28-2 with 42 points. Third place is Cincinnati, 19-11-1. Fourth place, the Kansas City Mavericks, 18-16-1, 37 points. Kalamazoo sits in fifth place, 14-11-3. Indy in sixth, 12-15-3. And, and in seventh place in the Central, Quad City and the Mallards, 8-19-3 with 19 points. Quad City hasn't won in regulation in the last 11 battles according to the standings on ECHL.com. Probably the closest rival that's not Toledo or Fort Wayne or Indy slash Indianapolis. I don't know why I'm not a big fan of Indy. Just say Indianapolis. Then again, the Pacers say Indiana, so never mind. The closest rival, I'd say, would be Wheeling in West Virginia. The Nailers are fourth place in the North. So in the North, it's Manchester, Adirondack, Reading, Wheeling, Brampton, and Worcester. Now, going back to Dayton news, as you know, there's no pro hockey in Dayton. There hasn't been for now the second season. But former first head coach of the Dayton Demons, Mark Lefebvre, is an assistant coach with the Cincinnati Cyclones. And I find that's quite neat because of the fact that after his first year with the Demons, he took a job overseas in England Stayed there for a couple seasons, and back in Southwest Ohio is LaFaver. Mark LaFave, assistant coach for the Cincinnati Cyclones. And in case you're wondering, who was the second head coach of the Dayton Demons, Trevor Karazowicz. He's leading the Watertown Wolves this season. Previously part of Port Huron's Prowlers, got fired last season, and now part of Watertown's team. We'll go ahead and read the standings. So, Trevor Karazowicz's Wolves. Currently sit in fifth place of six teams with a record of nine wins, eight losses, and three overtime losses on the season for 20 games. The Wolves have played the second highest amount of games along with the Danville Dashers. Carolina has played the most games out of 24. And the least Cornwall, Ontario Nationals with 18. Just to complete the whole thing, the FHL, the Nationals lead with 12 wins, 4 losses, and 2 overtime losses. 12-4-2 Nationals record. Port Huron, 11-5, make it 13-5-1 for Port Huron. They're tied with points. As previous broadcaster for Dayton Hockey and FHL, it was by win percentage. Cornwall has a 70.4 win percentage. Port Huron 66.7, despite having one more win than Cornwall. Third place is Danville with a record of 11-8-1. Steve Harrison 
after winning the championship with the Dashers, left the organization, so a new ship riding the Dashers team. Fourth place, the first-year Carolina Thunderhawks got a privileged, got a trip to, was privileged to broadcast that neutral game the year the Demons won the Cup in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. The Hawks are 13-10-1 in the season. Watertown, like I previously mentioned, 9-8-3. And in sixth place, the North Shore Knights. Last year, the St. Clair Shores Saints, Fighting Saints. The Knights are 2-17 on the season with a winning percentage just at 10.5%. Gold differentials, the Wolves... Have scored 77, allowed 77. That's even. The highest differential, plus 28, Port Huron. The lowest is negative 61 to North Shore. That's your look at the FHL. And I believe there's some folks still rooting on Coach Kraz as he now leads his Wolves to the ice. And just for another... Dayton tidbit on this. Former Dayton Demon and former Dayton Demolition defenseman Brian Marks. He's played two games with the Wolves. He lives near there. Brownville, New York's his hometown. And I think that's only a couple minutes from Watertown. He's part of the Wolves. Lester Brown, third year Demon. He's there too. I'm looking on their next opponent, the Dashers. Justin Brawson, former Demon. Got traded, was a good trade for the Demons then, and it's really worked out quite well for Danville in the long run, too. He's still a part of the Dashers. I want to say Dustin Henning might have been a Demon, might have tried out for the Demolition, but that's not 100% sure. It looks like if that's Nick Williams, if that's the same defenseman I'm thinking of, he was part of the second year Demons as well. Possibly first year. He was a veteran defenseman. Actually, now they say that, I think it was. But that's enough hockey talk for the Cincinnati Cyclones. And that got wrapped up with Dayton and became FHL talk, which the Dayton market hasn't been a part of for now two seasons. Since Hair Arena closed and the demolition also closed up shop too. So that's your look at local Cindy sports. Next week, we'll have the fourth round table, hopefully not stricken with the flu like last week was. Last week was a great episode with Mark Schlemmer, and I always like talking one-on-one sports with him, and he always adds such a great zest to the podcast. He spread the word out for me about this, and I dearly appreciate him for that. Next week is scheduled to be the round table, and we're set to record that Monday, so look for that podcast either Monday or Tuesday, depending on what time we get done with that podcast. That will do it for the first episode of 2018, fans. Well, thank you for making the first 20 episodes such a treat to talk to you about local sports. I mentioned some of my plans in episode 19, which was supposed to be the Christmas episode and turned out to be the day after Christmas episode because the flu got me bad that Monday, and I wasn't quite happy. But there we go. Episode 21 in the books. Don't forget you can listen to this podcast on the LeeWMallet.com as well as iTunes and your favorite iOS podcast players, Google Play, the iHeartRadio app, Stitcher, 
TuneIn, Acast, PocketCast, Anchor.fm, Player.fm, Podbean, Spreaker, CastBox, and possibly many, many more outlets. Also, Player.fm is not new. I think I added it a long time ago, but now it's kind of hard to track on where the podcast is available at. So there you go. If you have any comments, the Facebook page is the easiest way to reach out to the podcast, like the Gem on the Queen's Crown. Also, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Gem on Queen Crown. They couldn't add more characters to the username, but they added enough characters where I can type out the entire podcast, which was nice. But go ahead and follow and tweet what you like to hear. Next week is the fourth roundtable with Mark Schlemmer and guest yet to be determined. I'm looking forward to bringing that up. And we'll think about what episode 23 will have in the upcoming days. Again, thank you to everyone for listening and thank you to those that believe me and give me these opportunities that I had the privilege of talking about. This wraps up episode 21 of the Gem on the Queen's Crown and Lee W. Mallon wishing you a happy new year. Stick to those resolutions and let's make this a great year of local Cincinnati Dayton sports. Addendum! I forgot a little piece of information I wanted to share. This is from Centerville Hockey on Twitter. You can follow them at Elks underscore hockey. Assistant Coates and former forward of the Dayton Demolition, one of the key components to make Dayton get to the playoffs in their final season in the FHL. Jacques Lamoureux, his sisters, named to the 2018 United States Women's Olympic Hockey Team. It was announced 18 hours ago from, again, Elks underscore hockey on Twitter. Jacqueline and Monique Lamoureux, part of the forwards of the United States Olympic women's hockey team. So congrats go out to the Lamoureux sisters and brother Jacques for the news of being added to the United States Olympic women's ice hockey team. I know I'll definitely watch because that is a nice little Daytonian tidbit. Again, episode 21, now in the books after this addendum. Talk to you in episode 22. Thanks for listening to The Gem on the Queen's Crown. Don't forget to like the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown. Follow the podcaster, The Lee W. Mowen, on Twitter and Instagram. Also, visit www.theleewmowen.com and www.gemcitysports.com.